Good morning, Orlando. Friday morning at 6. Welcome aboard. You're on the 50,000-watt front porch for our first look at Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Coming right here, right now for you on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning, a brand new poll in the governor's race is just out. And we'll have details coming up in one minute. And we will fast forward you to election night 2020. How does it turn out? Stay tuned. It's next on Good Morning Orlando. 601 on News Radio 1025. A new poll of Florida voters by Mason Dixon was released about one minute ago. It indicates there are now clear frontrunners in the race for governor a month before the primary. Democratic voters give Gwen Graham 27 percent to 18 percent for Philip Levine and 12 percent for Jeff Green. Graham is benefiting as the only female candidate. On the Republican side, Ron DeSantis has opened a double-digit lead over Adam Putnam. 41% of GOP voters back DeSantis and 29% support Putnam. President Trump has endorsed DeSantis and will appear at a DeSantis rally Tuesday night at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa. Larry Spillman, News Radio 1025 WFLA. That's the fourth straight poll that DeSantis has been ahead. And before the formal endorsement by, by, um, by Trump... And uh, in the midst of some trouble that Putnam was having in the agriculture department, well publicized, there was a point not long ago when Putnam was up like 15. This is a remarkable turnaround and a trend that continues. More on that in a moment, Alan. Yes, Bud. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. One person is dead after a shooting in Orange County. Witnesses say it occurred in a 7-Eleven near Orange Blossom Trail in the Beach Line. Deputies say two people are in custody and they're looking for a third the identity of the victim was not immediately released. There was a deadly plane crash in the Panhandle County of Putnam last night. The plane went down on takeoff from Palatka Municipal Airport. A man and a woman were killed. They have not been identified, and it's not known what caused the plane to crash. Following in the footsteps of Starbucks, Walt Disney Company says it's getting rid of single-use plastic straws and plastic stirrers for all of its properties, including Disney World, by the middle of next year. Central Florida Tourism Authority Abe Pazam, dean of the Rosen College of Hospitality, says you can expect other major attractions to follow suit soon. Absolutely. And that should be done, should have been done years ago. But I'm glad that finally, you know, two large companies, Starbucks and Disney, are doing it. So it will have a huge impact. Disney also said it's working on reducing the use of plastic bags and giving guests the option to purchase reusable shopping bags. I've never seen an all-out war on a single product like we're seeing with plastic straws, Alan. But what about the styrofoam and plastic cups that the drinks come in that you use the straws for? Is that next? I don't know. we got to start somewhere, bud. All right, there we are. There are reports that Donald Trump's former personal attorney claims the president knew in advance of a meeting with Russians offering dirt on Hillary Clinton. According to a number of news organizations, Michael Cohen said Trump approved going ahead with the June 2016 meeting involving Donald Trump Jr. at Trump Tower. The White House says North Korea has returned remains of 55 American soldiers killed in the Korean War. A U.S. Air Force plane carrying those remains has arrived at Osan Air Base in South Korea, where a formal repatriation ceremony will take place on August 1st. The Tampa Bay Buccaneers held their first workout of 2018 yesterday. 
and it was the first opportunity for quarterback Jameis Winston to address his three-game suspension for an alleged groping incident in 2016. Winston says his goal is to continue to work hard and give back. Since I've been in this community, I've given it my all. You know, I know I've got some hard work to do to regain the trust of my fans, but building dream rooms, being in the community, being a great leader on and off the field, you know, my main goal is to be a great person, a great teammate, and a great leader every single day, and I think I've done that. Winston said he understands fans' disappointment, saying he's disappointed in himself. He said he'll do whatever he can to support backup quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will start the regular season in New Orleans on September 9th. WFLA news time is 6.05. Texas cops find an armed scarecrow guarding an illegal marijuana farm. That story is online at 1025wfla.com. <laughs> Dot what? Dot com. Okay. Dot com. We're all very calm here. Very yes. calm. Uh, you know, you We're see, mellow. It's Friday. That scarecrow's got a gun. I'm worried. <laughs> the first hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. Weather and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. Thanks, Alan. Alan Spector with the news all morning on Fridays. Our executive producer in the control room, the best in the business, Yaffe. Alongside him taking your calls, Stephanie. Reach me at 407-916-5400. Text us at 23680 where standard message and data rate supply. Yeah, we're kind of mellowed out. It's Friday morning. we got all kinds of interesting things. we got the hardcore stuff. But along the way, we're going to ask you, what would comprise the elements of your perfect day? There's a new survey out on that, and uh, we'll get into that a little bit later. But here in a moment, we're going to fast forward you to the morning after the 2020 presidential election. A look ahead in a very provocative piece I will share with you in a moment and see whether or not you think it's going to turn out that way. Free movie Friday right now. Adam's tickets. Adam tickets, forgive me. A-T-O-M. They are back with us. Here's your chance to win free movie tickets. Got the new Mission Impossible flick coming out um, this weekend. I think Yaffe wants to go see that. I'm going to try to get to see that as well. You can go for free if you're our winner through Adam tickets. What you do is you text them now to have a chance to win free movie tickets. Text them now. It's texting RECORD, R-E-C-O-R-D. That's what you need to do. Text RECORD to A-T-O-M-1. That's 28661 for your chance to win. It's the Adams Ticket app we want you to check out and get. It is awesome. It's where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and more. Happy Free Movie Friday from all of us here on Good Morning Orlando on the 50,000-watt front porch. All right, we're diving in on a look ahead to the morning after the 2020 presidential election. Don't miss this. You're going to love it, I think. It's all ahead, along with an update, of course, on Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic. I'll have that in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. It was President Trump who got that, um, that commitment from Kim Jong-un during their summit in Singapore to return the remains. Now, there's still 5,300 Americans you know, missing in North Korea from the war long ago and never accounted for. So there's a lot of work to do here. But that is a first step, and that is uh, the dictator of North Korea um, with another goodwill gesture based on what he had pledged to the president in that summit meeting. 
The president's endorsement for Florida governor seems to be giving Ron DeSantis a lot of momentum in his primary race against the GOP establishment candidate, Adam Putnam. Couple of really good, strong conservatives, similar on most issues, both pro-Trump, but DeSantis has the endorsement. I have some issues, particularly with Putnam. There have been some stumbles in his agriculture department. I don't think he was as good as DeSantis in the debate. And now we have our fourth poll reflecting a big-time trend toward Ron DeSantis getting the nomination. Remember, the primary is on August 28th, one month from tomorrow. Unless something changes, you're going to have Ron DeSantis, not Adam Putnam, uh, representing the Republicans. And I'll take the Democrat side of it here in a moment. This Mason-Dixon poll that Alan gave you a bit on a moment ago, just out, DeSantis, 41% of likely Republican primary voters will get his support, or will support him, and Putnam gets 29%, 12-point margin. Nobody else pulls more than two. That is stunning, and it's the fourth poll in a row with the biggest margin yet. We do have a trend here that unless something changes, will make DeSantis the Republican nominee and will in all likelihood run against Gwen Graham, the former congresswoman, the daughter of the former governor and senator from Florida, Bob Graham. In the Mason-Dixon poll, it's Graham 27, second place Miami Beach mayor, former mayor, Philip Levine with 18%, followed um, by billionaire Jeff Green, who's uh, running a lot of ads and is up to 12%. He is third um, Tallahassee Mayor Andrew Gillum is fourth. Ten percent uh, are backing uh, businessman Chris King out of the Orlando area. Um, and, and there we go. Twenty five percent undecided on both sides. So there is there is a margin for this thing to change. But it looks pretty locked in that you're going to be you're going to be voting in November on uh, DeSantis versus Graham. Yaffe, how about yeah. that latest poll? It's got to be the debate, right? That seems to be when this all changed and turned around for DeSantis. And the Trump endorsement actually being formalized. Remember, yeah. he was supporting it, but then he endorsed him. And a very strong ad um, that plays with that endorsement, uh, to that endorsement um, that DeSantis is running, I think, and some stumbles. And and a lukewarm performance by Putnam, I think, in the uh, in the uh, in the debate. Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. All right. Let me let me um let me start this off. I hope I can get it done before we have to hit the break here. I want to know what you think of this opinion piece in the New York Times, uh, and it is written from the perspective of the morning after the election night returns have come in in November of 2020. This is how they see it in this opinion piece in the New York Times, of all places. This is interesting. See how close to the mark you think this is. Does this seem like the way it might turn out? Listen. In the end, the bitterly fought election came down to the old political aphorism popularized during Bill Clinton's successful 1992 run against George H.W. Bush. It's the economy, stupid. This time, however, it was the Republican incumbent, not his Democratic challenger, who benefited from that truism. Donald J. Trump has been decisively reelected as president of the United States, winning every state he carried in 2016 and adding Nevada, even as he once again failed, albeit narrowly, to gain a majority of the popular vote. Extraordinary turnout in California, New York, Illinois, and other Democratic bastions could not compensate for the president's abiding popularity in the states that still decide who gets to live in the White House, Ohio, Pennsylvania, and Florida. Yet unlike 2016, last night's outcome came neither as a political upset nor as a global shock. Mr. Trump and Vice President Mike Pence have consistently polled ahead of Senator Elizabeth Warren of Massachusetts 
and her running mate, Senator Sherrod Brown of Ohio, since July. In exit interviews, Mr. Trump supporters frequently cited the state of the economy to explain their vote. What part of Dow at 30,000 do the liberals not understand, said one Trump voter. Senators Warren and Brown never seem to find a compelling answer to that question, despite an economy that continues to struggle with painfully slow wage growth, spiraling budget deficits, and multiplying trade wars that have hurt businesses as diverse as Ohio soybean farmers and California chip makers. Tell you what, I'm going to finish up this fantasy future piece in the New York Times where they project the re-election of Donald Trump in 2020. What you've heard so far, how close to the mark do you think that is? They have him running against Pocahontas. That's interesting. 407-916-5400. More to come in this compelling piece. Thought-provoking, I think. Do you agree? 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680 where standard message and data rates apply. Really interesting opinion piece in the New York Times of all places projecting us to the election night on um, November 4th, 2020. It's kind of the morning after peace here. They have Trump getting reelected and Pence still his running mate over Senator Elizabeth Warren and uh, her running mate, Sherrod Brown. And as they write in this um, futuristic piece here, Senators Warren and Brown never seemed to find a compelling answer to the question of how good the economy was. The economy, though, it did continue to struggle in some areas during the campaign with painfully slow wage growth, spiraling budget deficits, and multiplying trade wars that were hurting businesses as diverse as Ohio soybean farmers and California chip makers. And yet both Democrats are also skeptics of trade agreements such as NAFTA, which served to mute their differences with the president, and their signature proposals, Medicare for all and free college tuition for most American families, would have been expensive and would require tax increases on families making more than $200,000 a year. Mr. Trump and other Republicans charged they would bankrupt you and bankrupt this country. Meanwhile, the U.S. economy grew at an annual rate of 3.2% in the last quarter, the third consecutive quarter in which growth has exceeded 3%. Unemployment remains low at 4.1% November 2020. The article goes on here. With neither a recession nor a major war to run against, Democrats sought instead to cast the election in starkly moral terms. Yet by Election Day, the charge that Mr. Trump is morally or intellectually unfit for office had been made so often that it had lost most of its former edge among swing voters. I don't care if he lies or exaggerates in his tweets or breaks his vows to his wife so long as he keeps his promises to me said one social conservative the morning after the election, and he has. Many of Mr. Trump's supporters also said they felt vindicated by the conclusions of Robert Mueller's report on Russia's interference in the 2016 election. While the former FBI director painted a damning portrait of a campaign that was riddled with Kremlin sympathizers and a candidate whose real estate ventures were beholden to Russian investors, no clear evidence of collusion between Mr. Trump and Moscow ever emerged, and the president was never indicted. It was always a red herring, just like Trump said, said Bernard Schwartz, a gun store owner down in Texas. Democrats wasted a lot of ammo on that one. Democrats also failed to capitalize on and may have been damaged by winning back control of the House of Representatives, but not the Senate in the 2018 midterms. Mr. Trump proved effective if 
characteristically vitriolic in making a foil of the House Speaker Nancy Pelosi. Evidence to impeach the president mainly served to energize his base. Polling surveys suggested that wavering voters saw a Democratic Party more invested in humiliating the president than in helping them. As is often the case in losing presidential campaigns, it did not take long for campaign aides to Senator Warren to offer damning appraisals of her performance as a candidate. The common thread was that the campaign's moral fervor repeatedly got the better of its message focus. Trump succeeded, lamented one moderate former Democratic lawmaker who was asked um, to speak on background. He got my party to lose its marbles. The lawmaker cited calls by party activists to abolish the U.S. Immigration and Customs Enforcement Agency, ICE, calls the Warren campaign did not formally endorse but did little to refute as emblematic of the party's broader problems. What do Democrats stand for, he asked? Lawlessness or liberality? Policymaking or virtue signaling? Gender-neutral pronouns in bathrooms or good jobs and higher wages? Finally, as is his way, Mr. Trump, on the morning after the election in 2020, wasted little time rubbing salt into the Democrats' wounds. Democrats used to stand with the working man, he tweeted on Wednesday morning. Now it's the party of abortion and amnesty. All it's missing is acid. Sad. The morning after the re-election of Donald Trump to a second term. An opinion piece of all places just in from the New York Times. How close to the mark do you think that is to what will happen? 407-916-5400, text line 23680. News now with Alan Spector updating us on a stand-your-ground shooting in Florida now called murder. And Roseanne pays a visit to Sean Hannity. Good morning from us all at 630. Alan Spector back with us for the news update here on this Friday morning. We've talked a lot this week, Alan, about the controversy surrounding this claim of stand-your-ground protection out in Clearwater, and there are even more developments this morning. There was a big news conference yesterday, bud. The man who pulled the trigger in a Clearwater shooting death claims he was justified by Florida's stand-your-ground law. The victim's family says otherwise. They're represented by civil rights attorney Benjamin Crump, and he says last week's shooting death of Marquise McLaughlin during a dispute over a parking space at a convenience store was not a case of self-defense. Make no mistake about it, this was a cold-blooded murder that was witnessed firsthand by Brittany Jacobs and Marquise's three young children. Brittany Jacobs is the girlfriend of Marquise McLaughlin, Crump, who represented the family of Trayvon Martin in the George Zimmerman shooting six years ago in Sanford, is demanding the state attorney file charges against the shooter, Michael Draca. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. One in three migrant children are still separated from their parents with no clear sign when they'll be reunited. The Trump administration's been scrambling to reunite all eligible families. It separated at the U.S.-Mexico border by last night's court-ordered deadline. But a court filing says more than 700 children in government custody are unable to be reunited with their parents anytime soon. Here in Florida, the fate of Amendment 13 is now in the hands of a Tallahassee Circuit judge. The proposition would ban commercial dog racing, and the Florida Greyhound Association says it should be removed from the ballot because the title and summary are designed to mislead the public. But Lauren DeWell with the Animal Rights Section of the Florida Bar says that's nonsense. The plaintiff's arguments against Amendment 13 are red herrings. The chief purpose of the amendment is to ban the racing of dogs in connection with wagering in the state of Florida. 
Florida is one of only six states that still have commercial dog racing. Forty have banned it outright. Former state Senator Jack Latvala, who resigned in disgrace after being accused of sexual harassment, will not be facing criminal charges. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement and Tallahassee State Attorney Jack Campbell have concluded there's not enough evidence that Latvala traded his vote for sex with a lobbyist. Three months after ABC canceled her show Roseanne for a tweet deemed racist, Roseanne Barr made her first national television appearance on Hannity last night. Barr said she believes she's done everything she can to make up for it. Well, I've apologized a lot. It's been two months, and I've, I feel that I have apologized and um, explained and uh, asked for forgiveness and made recompense. ABC will premiere a spinoff of Roseanne called The Connors on October 16th. The show will feature all of the cast members except for Roseanne. WFLA News Time is 6.36. I'm Alan Spector, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Get these stories and more at 1025wfla.com. The first hour of Good Morning Orlando continues now. And thank you, Alan, and as always, we look forward to 6.35 every morning on Good Morning Orlando as we bring in Gina Cervetti live from the Bloomberg Newsroom in New York City with the Bloomberg Business Report. Good Friday morning, Gina. Good Friday morning. Boy, Facebook took a hit unlike anything we've ever seen on Wall Street. I have to believe that was a factor on the way the market performed and how the futures looked to you this morning, right? That's right, Bud, and Amazon to the rescue today. More on that in a moment, but we do have the stock futures trending higher this morning, and the NASDAQ futures are the best of the bunch here after Amazon's results, so there's a little hint on how that company did. We have more corporate earnings ahead today, and we hear from Twitter among them. Well, stocks did struggle yesterday, and it was a mixed close. We had industrial shares rising. That was not enough to offset Facebook's 19% plunge. That hit the NASDAQ. It was was down 1% or 80 points to 78.52. The S&P was down 9 points or 3 tenths to 28.37. The Dow rose 113 to 25,527. Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg lost $15.9 billion yesterday, more wealth in a single day than the entire market values of 175 S&P 500 companies. Wow. The Bloomberg Orlando index was up about 7 tenths percent. And Facebook, the company, their their stock went down like what? The better part of twenty percent, didn't it? To the tune of a hundred million or billion or something yesterday. It was about nineteen percent that it lost yesterday. So that's a big hit. Boy, I guess. I guess. Today, as you say, brings more earning reports. Economic data will be coming in. And uh, also there's a key shareholder vote for Disney. Yes, we have the initial look at how the economy performed in the second quarter. An economist surveyed by Bloomberg are expecting annualized growth at a robust 4.2%. Today also brings the July data on consumer sentiment. And Disney and 21st Century Fox shareholders vote today on Disney's $71 billion bid to buy much of Fox's entertainment assets. They are expected to approve that deal. Remember that scary story when that Southwest passenger, that poor woman, was almost sucked out and was killed um, because of a problem with an engine breaking apart in mid-flight? Apparently, uh, as Gene is about to tell us in detail, more problems found in those same Jets fan blades. What's the latest on this? 
Flaws in the jet engine fan blades, like the one that cracked and broke loose that was in April, killing that Southwest passenger, have been discovered on planes operated by several carriers, and the manufacturer is moving to further tighten inspections. A Southwest executive said General Electric, which makes the engines in a joint venture, found a cracked blade during post-accident inspections of another Southwest plane and spotted four or five more in those of other airlines. The FAA is also involved in this process. Gene, I wonder if I can call an audible here and have you flip the last two items so we can go out on a high note on a Friday morning with the Amazon story. Could we focus sure. on traditional retail that is really struggling right now? We've, yeah. got, we've got an outlet with a range of unique products that mm -hmm. is in some serious trouble. Tell us about it. Yes, this is Brookstone. Maybe you've perused yeah. the aisles there. They have a lot of funky items, uh, gifts for people. Well, unfortunately, they are preparing to close most of their stores as part of a bankruptcy filing, which could still happen this month. The company may decide to keep locations open in airports. Brookstone plans to maintain its website and brand, whatever happens here. Boy, I am sad to see that. And finally, though, as we say, it's Friday. Come on, we need a lift into the weekend and Amazon. Amazon gave us one. What's That's the story right. with Amazon? Well, shares of Amazon are ringing up gains this morning, but in pre-market trading, investors shrugged off second quarter sales that missed estimates, focusing instead on soaring record profit that came in at more than double analyst projections, cloud computing, and advertising helping to power the gains at Amazon. All right, Gina, thank you so much. Enjoy your weekend. We'll catch you Monday for the next Bloomberg Business Report. Thank you. You too. All right. In a moment, we dive into the Florida file. A couple of stories you don't want to miss. Florida and job growth. The governor says jobs, jobs, jobs. It's all about jobs. Wait till you hear what's happened here um, in Florida. We now lead the nation in an amazingly important category. And a local woman has a special way to thank four high school kids who may have saved her life. She got hit by a truck and they lifted the truck off her body. It's coming up. You'll hear from her and the young heroes. And uh, if you need another lift into the weekend, that should provide it in the Florida file. We'll get to it right after we update Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic for you in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. Gabby, what did you think of that opinion piece in the New York Times that takes us to the morning after the 2020 presidential election and has Trump and Pence? beating Elizabeth Warren and Senator Sherrod, her running mate, out of Ohio, and all the explanations as to why Trump got it done a second time around. Well, I have to admit, after 2016, that election season, I hate to make predictions because, you know, I predicted wrong, everyone predicted wrong pretty but, much. But thinking into the future yeah. is one of my favorite political parlor games. I just, oh, yeah. you know, into debating it and talking about it. Interesting that they have Elizabeth Warren securing the Democrat nomination. That, I think... You know, um, would would be would be fantastic for Trump. I just think he would yeah, keep her alive. I think there was a lot right in that in that piece. If the economy is doing well, yeah. if Elizabeth Warren is is the person he's running against, and if the Mueller probe turns up nothing, then I see Trump winning re-election pretty easily. Yeah, I do too. I do too. I mean, anything could happen, as we know. Um, right. But at any rate. Especially it, nowadays. Yeah, it's it's <laughs> really hard to find a case in history where with a roaring economy, a sitting, sitting president could not get a second term, okay? So that that's maybe the strongest suit that uh, that Trump has right now. The I did find it interesting that he said he would not win the popular vote. 
which would be, I mean... What happens, oh. it happens, you know. And, yeah, well, it happened this last time, but if it happened twice in a row, you're going to see a lot more people calling for a change. With the electoral college yeah. system, et cetera. Yeah, uh-huh. Uh, Governor Rick Scott, now running for senator against Bill Nelson, he will run off these jobs results here. He can take some credit for it. He's been the jobs, jobs, jobs guy since he got in office, okay? But a lot of this is what Trump has done to unshackle um, the engine of enterprise with deregulation and the tax cuts, et cetera. U.S. Bureau of Labor stats just in. Florida has moved from worst to first in a job creation survey just out. Florida has a net gain of 214,000 private sector jobs in the last three months of 2017, okay? That's the most recent data they have on this. It is the largest net gain of jobs by any state in the entire country. Uh, it's crazy because in the third quarter of 2017, just before this, uh, in the wake of Irma, the analysis is, we had uh, a net loss of private sector jobs that was the worst in the country. So things have turned around now that we don't have the storm, and God forbid we have another one, and we are creating jobs faster than any other state in the nation. What a story that is. Also in the Florida file, and you don't want to miss this, because you will love the story. You will hear from a very emotional local woman and what she and her husband are doing to kind of say thank you to a school educating four heroes who saved her life. It's coming right up. What a great story popping out of my Florida file for you this morning. I know this will bless you as you go on your way and and head on through a Friday into your weekend. About a year and a half ago, as it is being reported, a local woman by the name of Susan Gentry was crossing Edgewater Drive at West Smith Street in the Orlando area. Suddenly she was hit by a truck, hit by a pickup truck, wound up underneath the truck. There were four Bishop Moore High School athletes, four boys who happened to be in a local restaurant, and one of them had a view of this and said, my goodness, this woman just got hit by this truck. We got to go out and help her. And they did. And they did. And the four of them lifted the truck off Susan Gentry. She had broken bones, but she's now recovered. She and her husband are doing something very special to honor the school, Bishop Moore, where these four heroes attend. The four heroes are Thomas Connors, Trip Cannon, Andrew Cannon, and Mario Hernandez. Let's hear from three of them now. This would be Thomas Connor, Andrew Connor, and Trip Connor, who are interviewed by WFTV and recall that frightening day. We ran outside, and I st still didn't really know what was going on until I almost reached the truck, and someone started screaming, lift the truck, lift the truck. And that's when they lifted the truck, and I pulled out from underneath. Once we lifted the car, and uh, uh, Andrew uh, pulled her out, it was just, my heart just sank. Boy, as well it might have, because Susan Gentry was in rough shape. She had broken bones, and uh, gosh, they had the, the truck was sitting right on her. Listen to her now, Susan Gentry, emotional as she reflects on those heroes who lifted that truck off her and gave her another chance at life. I think um, 
I just recognized how different everything could have been. And um, I'm just the fact that I have all these moments with my kids and my family. So there's not enough money to put a price on that. Well, speaking of money, as a show of their gratitude, Susan Gentry and her husband have donated $44,000 to Bishop Moore in the names of the four students who saved her life. The Canon Connors Hernandez Endowment was presented during a ceremony Wednesday evening, and it will help fund the construction of a classroom in a new athletics building at the school. You think we don't have any really good kids? Let me say great kids anymore. They just don't get enough publicity. And that's why we thought we would give four of the really great kids in the Orlando area uh, a little bit of light here this morning. It's a great story, isn't it, Mike? Yeah, it's quite something. I mean, I think they saved her life. I really do. It's extraordinary, wow. you know. They could have just looked the other way, you know, but and they, they could have come out and said there's nothing we can do. Yeah. They're athletes. These guys are strong, and the four of them were actually able to lift the truck enough that, to get her out of there. That That's what's really incredible about that, and they did not hesitate. They no. just went out and did no. it. And, and I, I think sometimes you get the adrenaline flow, and you hear about yeah. people getting superhuman strength when they need it in a moment of crisis, and uh, and the four of them collectively were able to get the over, overcome gravity and get that truck out of there. Yeah, it's a great story. And what, what, a, what a great tribute that has been paid to them by Susan Gentry, and her husband, who are now still together, and she's still mom to her kids, and life and continues she that looks might great. not have otherwise. In the video, she looks great. It's a year and a half ago, so yeah. it's been some time, and she seems just fine yeah. and, and, and very emotional. Great story by WFTV News, and um, it was great to be able to share it with you. Good morning, Orlando. Top of the morning to you here on a Friday at 7 o'clock. We're going to update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic for you right here, right now on News Radio 1025 WFLA. I'm Bud Hedinger. And I'm Alan Spector. Our top story this morning who's in front in the races for governor? A new poll is just out. We've got details coming up in one minute. Trump fans or CNN White House reporter from a White House event. Big controversy, my take and yours, next on Good Morning Orlando. 703 on News Radio 1025. A new poll on the races for Florida governor is just out this morning. The Mason-Dixon survey puts Democrat Gwen Graham and Republican Ron DeSantis in front of their respective parties' races. On the Democratic side, Graham, the former congresswoman, has pulled out to a nine-point lead over former Miami Beach Mayor Philip Levine. Among Republican voters, DeSantis, the current congressman, now leads Agriculture Commissioner Adam Putnam by 12 points. About one-fourth of voters in each party are undecided. Larry Spillman, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Alan, by my count, that's the fourth straight poll with DeSantis up over Putnam, who once had him by 15 points. A lot of factors on that we've talked about. And on the de- go ahead. I was going to say on the Democratic side, Gwen Graham is now consistently leading in the polls there. I think that's what you're going to have in the fall unless something really happens in the next month. It's going to be DeSantis, not Putnam, against the daughter of the former Governor Bob Graham, Gwen Graham. I think the Trump endorsement really began to launch the uh, uh, the advance of the uh, of the numbers for Ron for Ron DeSantis. Uh, we'll be talking more about this. This news brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. More than six decades later, North Korea is sending the remains of 55 presumed American servicemen from the Korean War back home. 
at an airbase in South Korea, U.S. service members and a military honor guard lining up to receive the remains. They were delivered by a U.S. Air Force plane returning from a rare visit to North Korea. 55 cases draped in the flag of the UN were carried from the jet into vans. A formal repatriation ceremony is expected next week before forensic tests begin in Hawaii to see if the remains are indeed those of American soldiers. Simon Owen, Fox News. We could learn more about the Valentine's Day massacre at Stoneman Douglas High School in Parkland in the alleged shooter's own words. A judge ruled yesterday that parts of Nicholas Cruz's confession for February's deadly shooting must be released. And another judge ruled that the Broward County School District must release documents that could show how much of a threat Cruz was thought to pose. Good. I'm glad to see that. We are entitled to see and hear all of that. And I'm glad that the rulings have gone as they have. Locally, Universal is planning something, we're not sure what, with property in Orlando it recently repurchased. During an earnings conference call yesterday, there were broad hints from the parent company Comcast that a fourth theme park might be in the works. Wow, that would tie in with Disney, wouldn't it? That would. Central Florida Tourism Authority Abe Pazam says whatever it is, it's going to be a moneymaker for Universal. It's something that uh, was coming for some, some time since they bought the land. And, uh, you know, it, it would bring even more tourists. They are very successful. Uh, so I don't see that uh, uh, will impact negatively in any shape, form, or matter. Beyond yesterday's hint, Universal and Comcast are playing their cards close to the vest. I was reading that there, some say that there's been a lot of talk that they're going to name the fourth theme park Fantastic Worlds. They've got a patent on that name. Do they? Yes. Well, there you go. That may be it. For the first time since his suspension was announced, Bucks quarterback Jameis Winston spoke to the media yesterday after the team's first full workout of the 2018 season. Winston will sit out Tampa Bay's first three regular season games as punishment for an alleged groping incident involving an Uber driver in 2016. Winston says he just wants to help the team. Right now, all I can focus on is diving into them right now because this training camp is important. And I don't want this to be about me. I want this to be, a, be about us getting better and us heading to this season with a mission to go 3-0. Winston says he'll do whatever he can to support backup quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick, who will start those first three games, uh, beginning with a game in New Orleans on September 9th. WFLA News time is 7.07. Police say an Arizona man stole an ambulance because it was too hot to walk. That story is online at 1025wfla.com. The second hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, and traffic for the best audience in talk radio. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. I'm going to be checking that out. Alan Spector bringing us the news top and bottom of the hour whenever it breaks every Friday here on the show. As we roll on for the front gate realty studio from your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate. Yaffe at the controls. Steph will be taking your calls, 407-916-5400. And I really want to hear from you on this topic. The text line 23680, standard message and data rates apply. Big furor right now as CNN White House reporter banned by Trump from a White House event after he didn't like her shouting questions at him at an earlier event in the Oval Office. Fox News is standing with CNN on this. As an old news reporter and news anchor, I'm all about freedom of the press and access to the president, okay? So I'm conflicted here. 
because I don't want a, an accredited reporter banned from a White House event, okay? I fundamentally grates on me as an old newsman. But I got to tell you, what happened at that event that got her banned is outrageous, and that needs to stop. We'll get into it in a moment, and we'll see what you think. If you're aware of the story, I know you already have a strong opinion, so if you want to get in early um, for the conversation and the debate, well, hit the phones at 407-916-5400 or the text line, never busy, 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. That's coming up next. We're diving right in after I give you an update on Atlanta's news, weather, and traffic, and that's coming your way in only two minutes. Stick around on News Radio 1025 WFLA. That kind of ties right into this huge controversy that has erupted in the wake of Trump through his staff banning the CNN White House reporter Caitlin Collins from a White House event in the Rose Garden the other day when he had a news conference with the top guy from the European Union to announce the trade deal of great benefit to the United States. Earlier in the morning, there was a a meeting in the Oval Office between the president and uh, Jean-Claude Juncker, the European Commission head, and, 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 and they, were, they were there for a photo op in the Oval Office, the president's office. There were photographers and cameras and sound booms all over the place. And, uh, and then toward the end, Caitlin Collins, who was the pool reporter representing all five of the broadcast networks, okay, and she started shouting questions. Now, we've seen this before, but this kind of stuff is wrong. It's the wrong venue for this kind of stuff. And questions from the CNN reporter, Caitlin Collins, designed in front of this world leader to embarrass and humiliate the president. I mean, it was a total zoo. The questions that are asked, you're going to hear the chaos here. And this I have a problem with. Banning the reporter is a result I do not support. But the questions, and you may not be able to hear them here in the chaos, um, they are, did Michael Cohen betray you, Mr. President? Mr. President, did Michael Cohen betray you? Mr. President, are you worried about what Michael Cohen is about to say to the prosecutors? Are you worried about what is on the other tapes, Mr. President? And why is Vladimir Putin not accepting your invitation? Listen. Did Michael Cohen betray you, Mr. President? Thank you, Bert. Thank you, everybody. Mr. President, did Michael Cohen betray you? Thank you very much. Sorry about everybody. Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Mr. President, are you worried about what Michael Cohen is going to say to prosecutors? Let's keep going. Are you worried about what is on the other tapes, Mr. President? Thank you all. Let's keep going. Thank you, everybody. Thank you very much. Why is Vladimir Putin not accepted your Thank you, everybody. Thank you, everybody. Let's go. Come on, guys. Thank you very much. No president should have to put up with that with a world leader by his side in his own office. This needs to be stopped. You want to shout at the president questions that you feel you can't get him to answer any other way? Do it on the tarmac. Do it on the lawn of the White House when he's headed for the helicopter, for God's sake. That practice needs to end. And that's exactly what should come of this. But she was just doing what she and a 
ton of other reporters would do shouting these questions. But they were really designed to put the president on the spot in a very awkward, humiliating, embarrassing way. And that's exactly what was going on here. And that's why the White House is so mad about this. But that practice needs to end of that kind of situation in, 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 in the Oval Office is the wrong venue for it. That said, I don't think banning an accredited White House reporter from a subsequent event is right. As a free press, old news anchor, news reporter guy, I do stand with Fox News, which is standing with CNN in their complaint here. What are your thoughts on my take on uh, also on what you've heard about this controversy here? Do you think the reporter should have been banned from that subsequent event, or do you not? And do you agree with me? Let's end this chaos in the Oval Office. It is, it is, it, it is outrageous. It really has gotten to the point where that needs to stop. And they can put a stop to it, and they should. But they shouldn't be banning accredited reporters. 407-916-5400, text line 23680. That's what I think. What do you think? Let's talk. There are still thousands of Americans unaccounted for from the Korean War, but this is a start, and it is something that Kim Jong-un committed he would do, and now it is getting done. So that is a positive development. As for... This White House reporter being told she was not going to be able to attend, not welcome at, not invited to a White House event the other day because of how she shouted inappropriate questions at the president earlier in the day in the Oval Office. Um, I'm not in favor of banning an accredited reporter. I'm a big freedom of the press guy. I've been in the news business a long time. But that outrageous scene in the Oval Office has got to stop. John, good morning from Orlando. How do you see it? I see it as they need to be banned because we need to set an example that is unacceptable behavior, just like the threats and everything else. We really need to put our foot down and make sure that they're not threatening our president and threatening the Republicans in the party. Well, now, in, in that case, there's no threat to the president. It's just putting him on the spot with the awkward and embarrassing questions and shouting them and with another world leader alongside him. I, I don't know that that's a threat, but I'm sure the, the president is the one who said, I don't want her there this afternoon. I, I just fundamentally have a problem with that. But you're okay uh, with it. You, have, you, you're okay. And you no, think I'm very okay with it. Uh, I yeah. think uh, the way they've been rude to him and everything like that, I, I think they need to, you know, watch what they do. All right. Thank you for that. Let's see if I have any support here on not banning a reporter, but putting an end to scenes like that in the president's office. Joe, you're in Titusville. Good morning. Yeah, I don't I don't agree with the banning of him. If he wants a more civil discourse than calling news fake news, you know, whole networks and, you know, uh, and insulting people, and, you know, uh, isn't right either. So if he's going to attack people like they're still using, you know, locker up Hillary during the, uh, attorney general's, uh, you know, little brief he had with some kids, you know, if they're not going to be more professional, then All right. they get what they expect. I got it. I know where you're coming from. Yaffe, your take and a look at the text line, if you will. Yeah, a lot of people are upset because Brett Barron, Fox News, defended CNN and said they stand by CNN and this reporter. And, and that's because Obama had tried to ban Fox News 
at an interview for one of Obama administration officials, and CNN and all the press pool backed Fox News in that case. So this is sort of Fox News returning the favor, I think. This is a First Amendment freedom of the press issue. Yeah. And that's the way I see it, okay? Um, but, But do you agree with me? There's no place for that kind of scene in the president's office. If you want to yeah. shout questions, shout them on the tarmac or outside the White House somewhere. Yeah. I really feel I mean, that I, g- I get what you're saying, but it, it happens all the time. But, but not... I've never seen it any worse than this. And the particular nature yeah. of the questions, the CNN reporter knew, you know, just trying to stick it to the president on the Michael Cohen stuff in a particularly nasty way. But this whole thing, I, 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 think, I think we look ridiculous to the rest of the world. I really do in that scenario. Good morning, Van. You're in St. Cloud. You're on with the Budman. Good morning, sir. How are you? I'm all right. How are you? I'm doing well. Here, here's my thought. You believe that the Second Amendment, I'm sorry, the uh, freedom of speech and freedom of the press has the same value? Yes, of course. Okay, then. All these people are getting fired and fined for freedom of speech. I think at minimum, if you're not going to suspend, uh, they, they should suspend her from it for a while instead. Okay, so put her on the bench for a while and then bring her back. It was only a one event. You're not invited, you know. We can have a semantic mm-hmm. argument about whether she was banned or not, but essentially she was told, you're not going to be there. Send another reporter, fine. Send another photographer, fine. That's fine. We're not just banning CNN, but you're not coming. We're not putting up with that stuff from you. Anyway, uh, that'll do it. We'll follow it. Thank you for your input. Live report on what's going on in terms of reconnecting those kids with their parents You know, the illegals along the border. Uh, That's coming up right after we have an update on the news from Alan Spector here at the bottom of the 7 o'clock hour. So stay tuned. That is coming up next on Good Morning Orlando and Good Friday Morning from us all at 729. Alan Spector joining us for the uh, news update right now. And um, a fall from grace from a longtime political power player in this state who wanted to be governor and new developments this morning. That's right, bud. A former state senator will not face charges for allegations made by a former lobbyist. Tallahassee State Attorney Jack Campbell announced yesterday he will not file corruption charges against Jack Latvala. Laura McLeod accused the Clearwater senator last year of hinting he would push her agenda if she had sex with him. Campbell says he could find no proof to back McLeod's claims. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. Yesterday was the deadline to reunite all families separated at the border who crossed illegally, but it turns out hundreds of parents are not eligible. Thursday afternoon, the government said they'd reunite all eligible families by yesterday. Many others, though, were ineligible, just over 700, some because of criminal records. But in most cases, ICE says parents opted not to take their kids with them when deported or they waived reunification. The reason these parents are coming here in the first place and paying smugglers $5,000, $6,000, $10,000 to make that dangerous journey is because they want to get their children here. Matt Albanes is with ICE, but ACLU attorney Lee Galern says many parents didn't know they were signing a waiver. There's going to be a lot of work going forward to find the deported parents to see what they want. The ACLU wants a seven-day waiting period for reunified families to decide if they want to stay and seek asylum. Jessica Rosenthal, Fox News. 
Going to have a live report on this from one of our News Radio 1025 National Correspondents, Bill Zimfer, one of the best in the business, breaking down what exactly is the status as that deadline passes at the border, Alan. Coming up in five minutes. One person is dead after a shooting in Orange County. Witnesses say it occurred at a 7-Eleven near Orange Blossom Trail in the Beach Line last night. Deputies say two people are in custody. They're looking for a third. The identity of the victim was not immediately released. There was a deadly plane crash in the Panhandle County of Putnam last night. The plane went down on takeoff from Palatka Municipal Airport. A man and a woman were killed. They have not been identified, and it's not known what caused the plane to crash. There's a possible new weapon in the war on cancer. It's the Zika virus. Scientists from the University of Central Florida and the Moore's Children's Hospital say the Zika virus may help kill a form of childhood cancer. According to the researchers, neuroblastoma cells exposed to the Zika virus in the laboratory died after being infected. Neuroblastoma is a form of childhood cancer, a cancer of nerve cells outside the brain. Scientists say the Zika virus may work against the cancer by attacking a protein in the cancer cells that is susceptible to being killed by the virus. More research is needed, they say, before they could tell whether or not they're on the road to a promising new therapy. Alan McBride, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Incredible to think that could be so, isn't it? What a story, Alan. Turning evil diseases against each other. Amazing. And elsewhere, bud, yeah. see if you can name this band. Give up? Yeah, I do. I don't know who that is. That is a group called The Beatles. Oh, come on. Is that a Beatles song? Performing at Liverpool's Cavern Club in 1962. Oh, before they were big. Yeah. Way before I Want to Hold Your Hand and all of that stuff. Oh, yeah. I can't believe I whiffed on a Beatles song. Okay. All right, go ahead. The reason I bring this up is Paul McCartney returned to the Cavern Club last night for an exclusive performance at the venue many consider the birthplace of the Beatles. During his performance of the Eddie Cochran classic 20 Flight Rock, Sir Paul chastised the crowd for using their phones to take pictures and video, something they had been told not to do. He asked the crowd to play by the rules and put their phones away, saying, It's putting me off. Paul McCartney is promoting the release of his 30th album, Egypt Station, coming up September 7th. Well, I know you're a big Beatles fan, as I am. What would you give to have been there, huh? Oh, my gosh. Woo, boy. I've, now, I've been to nine Paul McCartney concerts. No kidding. Going huh? back to 1989. Wow. And uh, it's always, you know, a stadium or arena venue, of course. Sure. But to see him in, you know, a club that holds about 270 people. Yeah, going back to the roots of the group that uh, redefined music in this country, the Beatles. My, wow. My all-time favorites. Yeah. Free beer. All right, you have the attention of 90% of the audience. I, I thought think. that would wake everyone up. <laughs> Free beer will continue to be poured at Bush Gardens in Tampa. The program allows guests over the age of 21 to get two 7-ounce pours of select beers for free each time they visit the park. It was scheduled to end August 5th, but according to the Tampa Bay Times, it's been extended through August 24th. Now, that was a tradition for a long time that they, they, they did away with that, right? Yeah. When Anheuser-Busch changed hands? Yes. I think so. When InBev picked him up or something? I, yeah. Because originally it was uh, to promote Anheuser-Busch beer, but... Exactly. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. How yeah. about that? Okay. Free beer, lose your lunch on the coaster. All right. And one more for you, bud. A Japanese company is taking wedding vows to the next level. 
the startup business Warp Space is allowing newlyweds to launch wedding plaques into space. The company will print titanium plaques with the newlyweds' names on them. The plaques are then loaded into small cubes that hold a few hundred of the plaques. Then the crew of the International Space Station releases the cubes into space, and then the couples are presented with photos from the astronauts. The service starts at $270 and officially begins this Sunday. Ah, and you look up into the stars and you just see each other. Yep. Sweet. Nice. I wonder, what does it cost? 270 It says it starts at 270 I don't know what additional uh, expenses might be involved. Interesting. Alan, awesome. When we're here with us on Fridays, bringing us the news, we'll look forward to the update at 8 o'clock and again at 8.30 as we roll on from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, hit pound 250, keyword real estate, and you're in business. We're going to get into what's going on at the border. Uh, Alan talked about the deadline that has passed now. To, uh, the judge had ordered that uh, those kids separated from their parents all be reunited. Um, Bill Zimfer, our News Radio 1025 national correspondent, is on the story with the very latest breakdown on exactly where we stand and what we do moving forward about this situation on the border. So we're going to have that for you, and naturally, we're going to update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic as well as we always do. That'll be in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So, as we've been telling you in the news this morning, hundreds of families separated at the border remain apart. A deadline set by a federal judge to reunify these moms and dads with their kids has now come and gone. On this big story, our News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Bill Zimfer joining us live right now. Bill, always good to have you with us. What can you tell us? Well, Bud, good morning. Good to be with you. Uh, yeah, the, the deadline passed, and uh, it remains that uh, we have over 700 children in government custody. But the government says that all members eligible for reunification have been reunited. Uh, the number of children in custody is because, uh, uh, number one, they may be children of parents who are no longer in the United States, may have already been deported, sent back to their home countries, where it in some cases could be very difficult to get in contact with them. In addition, Bud, there are over 120 other children who remain in custody because their parents declined to be reunited. Now, why would they do this? Yeah. Well, uh, number one, maybe they have a relative in this country they feel the children, the child could end up with, or in the most desperate cases, the parents are willing to leave the children here, uh, thinking they might have a better future in the United States, uh, whereas if they would be reunited, they would be immediately deported or returned to their home country. Uh, and uh, they want their children to remain here. So for a number of reasons, there will be uh, children in custody in this country and will eventually go into the child welfare system. Uh, but uh, it, it's a fact that many of these children, Bud, will never be reunited with their parents. Any indication that this will satisfy the federal judge who set the deadline, which for the reasons you explain, which are good ones, has not been met? Yeah, it's a good question. So what could the courts do here? The courts could hold the government in contempt. They could fine the government. Uh, they could actually technically jail government officials. Are any of those things likely to happen? 
probably not. Uh, for uh, This is a very difficult situation. Now, uh, child advocates, immigration advocates are saying that it's all a result of incompetence by the government, that there was no process in place to do this when they started separating families at the border. Again, it'll remain an issue. Uh, no easy answer to this one, bud. I was going to say, I mean, we may see more of this because the process of these people coming up through these um, violence-ridden Central American countries through Mexico, which is bad enough in that regard on its own. I mean, all of that flow continues as we speak, right? Yeah, it has slowed down, but it does continue, and it will continue. So there, so there's got to be some type of policy put in place to handle this uh, easier than there there had been. Uh, and this will force the administration, of course, to do that. But you're right, uh, this will continue. You will continue to get illegal border, border crossings or border uh, crossing attempts uh, by these people who want to get to the United States. News Radio 1025 National Correspondent Bill Zimfer. On the big stories for us, and it's great having you with us. Enjoy your weekend, Bill. We'll catch you next time around. I'll do that. You too, bud. Thanks. All right. Good deal. Yaffe, I'll tell you what policy needs to be put in place. Build the wall. That's it. Don't need policy. (laughs) I agree. Green light the wall. Get it built. End of problem. End of problem. Exactly right. Okay. I'm a simple man. Simple solutions. (laughs) But the president's right on this. The Republicans are still dragging their feet. They better get on board with this president. He is on a roll right now. And you want to be with this guy moving forward, not again him. GOP. Democrats will never learn that lesson. 407-916-5400. But the doggone it, the Republicans in many respects need to learn that lesson and fast ahead we have the uh, rush morning update good morning orlando friday morning on the fifty thousand watt front porch welcome aboard at the top of the eight o'clock hour for our latest look at orlando's news weather and traffic right here right now for you on news radio 1025 wfla i'm bud hedinger and i'm alan specter our top story this morning there's a brand new poll in the governor's race we'll have the details coming up in one minute What's your idea of a perfect day? My take and yours coming up on Good Morning Orlando. 803 on News Radio 1025. A new poll of Florida voters by Mason Dixon was released as we went on the air at 6 o'clock this morning. It indicates there are now clear front runners in the race for governor a month before the primary. Democratic voters give Gwen Graham 27 percent to 18 percent for Philip Levine and 12 percent for Jeff Green. Graham is benefiting as the only female candidate. On the Republican side, Ron DeSantis is opened a double-digit lead over Adam Putnam. 41 percent of GOP voters back DeSantis and 29 percent support Putnam. President Trump has endorsed DeSantis and will appear at a DeSantis rally Tuesday night at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa. Larry Spillman, News Radio 1025 WFLA. Pretty stunning uh, numbers here. It looks to me like, you know, barring some cataclysmic event, We're going to be um, having a campaign in the fall of Graham against DeSantis. That's right, because this isn't the first poll to show those results. They've been pretty consistent over the past uh, month or so. And the DeSantis lead is opening up against the GOP establishment candidate, Adam Putnam, who once had DeSantis by 15 points, Alan. I remember those days. This news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. 
Donald Trump's former attorney claims the president did know about a 2016 meeting with Russians inside Trump Tower. Sources say Michael Cohen doesn't have any hard evidence, but that he is willing to tell special counsel Robert Mueller that then-candidate Trump knew in advance Russians were coming to Trump Tower with promised dirt on Hillary Clinton. President Trump's attorney, Rudy Giuliani, told CNN that Cohen is a liar and can't be trusted. I don't see how he has any credibility. I mean, this is basically if you had a trial, and there would be a trial here, but if you had a trial, you'd say, well, which lie do you want to pick? President Trump has denied knowing anything about the meeting. His son, Donald Trump Jr., has said he never told his father about it. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. It's Shark Week on the Discovery Channel and also at a local beach. A shark was spotted recently at Hightower Beach in Satellite Beach in just a foot of water. That is frightening. A Vieira man shot video of the shark swimming just a few feet away from some kids and others who were standing in that shallow water. No one was hurt and the shark eventually swam away. Walt Disney Company has made the environmentally friendly announcement that it's getting rid of plastic straws at all of its properties, including Disney World, effective next year. Central Florida Tourism Authority A. Pazam says Disney is the second corporate giant to make that move. That's a good thing. And uh, everybody should be very happy that they do that. Um, it's not the first company that does it. Uh, a couple of weeks ago, Starbucks announced that it will be doing. And he says as Disney goes, so goes the rest of the industry. So don't be surprised if you soon hear similar announcements from more Florida tourist attractions. SeaWorld and Busch Gardens have already announced they're getting rid of single-use straws and plastic bags. It's erupting everywhere. It's a nationwide war on, on plastic straws. There's going to be straw shaming. You know, people are going to be coming up to you, and they're going to be in your face if you're sitting there with a plastic straw. This is going to get ugly. I can see it coming. It, I, it, it's going to be like what Maxine Waters is calling for for Trump supporters. Get in their face. I really don't think you should stir things up, bud. Well, that's kind of what I do for a living, <laughs> and I love it. Did you Go get ahead. that pun I just made? Thank you very much. That's Stir good. things up. Yeah, it's good. The, the new writers are doing good work for you there. I don't uh, know. I like when that. I have to explain it, the I'm Tampa sorry. Bay Bucks. Long week. <laughs> what? The Tampa Bay Bucks number one. I'm just moving ahead now. <laughs> I've had it with you. The Tampa Bay tell. Bucks number one offensive player was on defense yesterday. Quarterback Jameis Winston addressed his league-imposed suspension after the first full team workout. He'll sit the first three games of the regular season as punishment for allegedly groping a female Uber driver in Phoenix in 2016. Winston says a lot has changed since then. This happened two, two and a half years ago, you know, since my rookie year. You know, and I've, I've gave my all to this community. I gave my all on the field and off the field. And uh, I, I can't let this diminish all the hard work that I've been doing in this community. Winston said his focus will be to help his team and backup quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick in every way he can to ensure the Bucks are 3-0 and when he again takes the field. Keep your hands to yourself, Winston, and, uh, you know, we'll back you. But enough of this stuff. Yeah. grow up. It's outrageous. You tell him, bud. There you go. There Another thing. <laughs> I'm stirring things up again. It's just my nature. You kids get off of my lawn. <laughs> WFLA News Time is 8.08. A wild video shows a Texas inmate climbing on top of a moving patrol car. Oh, that's smart. You can watch it online now, bud, at 1025wfla.com. The third hour of Good Morning Orlando starts now. News, weather, traffic. This is Good Morning Orlando on News Radio 1025. 
So I came across this national survey of 2,000 adult Americans asked what would be your idea of a perfect day? What would be the elements to a perfect day? And um, I'll, I'll tell you my thoughts on that. We're going to have Alan stick around and, uh, and Yaffe and Steph as well. But we've been friends for a long time. We've been talking on the 50,000-watt front porch for 15 years. I hope I'm not prying too much when I ask, would you give me a call or hit the text line and tell me what your idea of a perfect day would be? The average American, the survey says, only has 15 of them a year. Write your ticket in your mind's eye what ends involved in your perfect day. 407-916-5400. Text me at 23680. Standard message and data rates apply. And um, we're going to kick back a little bit, back off the gas on the heavy-duty political stuff, and, uh, and find out about what your perfect day would be like. So let's talk, shall we? 407-916-5400, text us at 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. Up next, though, of course, an update on Orlando's news, weather, and traffic. Hang in there for that. It comes your way in only two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. So I gave you the results of this survey nationwide asking adult Americans what would go into their perfect day. And the finding on the average, there's only 15 of them um, for, for the typical American every year, which means I guess there were 350 stinkers um, Alan, let me ask you, and Yaffe and Steph, uh, if you could write your ticket and just design the perfect day, what would go into it? Just fantasize? Yeah, absolutely. Okay. Well, you've probably had a few perfect days. What, what, what are the elements of those days? I can't remember, because uh-huh. I'm old. <laughs> no, but you're not. if I could dream right now what a perfect day would be for me, it would take place in the Bronx, New York, at Yankee Stadium. Uh-huh. I would have oh, front rows. of course. I would have... All right, calm down, Yaffe. <laughs> I would. I haven't mentioned the Yankees all morning, even though Aaron Judge is sidelined for hey, three weeks hey, hey, after hey. being hit by a pitch last night. Okay, fractured okay. right wrist. Uh, stop it, but, now, what, Come on, you're at Yankee Stadium and watching the Bronx Bombers wipe the floor I've, with somebody. Well, I've got front row tickets. Yes, two right behind home plate. You bet. To a game against the Boston Red Sox in the American League Championship Series, maybe the deciding game. Maybe a game seven. All right. And then on either side of me, on one side, is Paul McCartney. And sitting on the other side, actress Halle Berry. Whoa. I guess we didn't make the cut, huh, Yaffe? What about your perfect day? Jeez, um, I didn't think that specifically, but <laughs> those are really good. Well, but uh, Get on first, board. <laughs> I mean, first thing for me would be sleeping in, which... Oh, amen to that. Yeah, <laughs> sleeping in. And waking up to perfect weather. I think weather is important when you talk about the perfect It was day. on the national survey. 74 yeah. degrees and sunny. Makes a yeah. big difference. And then going somewhere and getting a nice plate of hot wings. Yeah. Really good, spicy hot wings. Yeah. It's got to be good food. Uh-huh. And uh, spending time, of course, with friends and family, I think. How Maybe about you, outside. Steph? Oh, mine would probably be getting up about 9 a.m., mm-hmm. going to the gym, of course, yeah. getting that workout in, and then probably just going to the beach with some drinks and friends and just chilling. Yeah, I would I would be with our, our whole family in a family reunion at a beachfront resort, you know, with enough room to get away from them and be alone for a while to, to maybe just have a sunset oh, dinner with good. my wife, you know, overlooking the water, that kind of thing. 
It would definitely be it definitely be the beach. It would absolutely be involved. No it real be, responsibilities none. that you would have to do for that day. You no. know, I could actually utilize any of these ideas that you guys had as long as Halle Berry's involved. <laughs> I got you. <laughs> Gary, you're listening to us from Apopka. You've heard about the survey on the perfect day. What would yours involve, Gary? Well, but mine would be a six-point thing, and it spells out the letters G-O-S-P-E-L. I mean, the first thing I think is if you can experience something for God, spiritual, enjoy nature or whatever is around you, something spiritual, and then do something for others. I mean, help a friend, talk to a friend, help somebody else, do a kind deed, and then do something for yourself. Treat yourself to something you haven't done before, even if it's something as simple as a good ice cream cone or a good walk. And then do something physical. I mean, a good game of golf or tennis or a hike or a good run. And then do something for your environment or where you work in your career or your avocation. Achieve something that's good. I I think that's terrific. You're looking at this as a much deeper level. You're putting us all to shame. Let me ask you, the average American in the survey says they have about 15 of their perfect days a year. How many of those a year do you think you have, Gary? Probably about five or six that are perfect. But that's enough to keep you going, huh? You bet. God bless you, my friend. That's good stuff. What goes into your perfect day? 407-916-5400. we got more time for this. Text line is open to 23680, where standard message and data rates apply. You just write your ticket or think back on the best day you ever had. What happened on that day? or what would happen on your perfect day, hopefully still to come. We're talking about it in the wake of this nationwide survey. I'm one of these crazy people who really loves his job, but I also love time off to myself. And my perfect day would not include getting up at 2.30 in the morning to put this show on the air. I love it, but it wouldn't be part of my perfect day. My perfect day would definitely be family and maybe some select friends spending the day at the beach and being at a beachfront resort with all kinds of time and no worries and um, my lovely bride on my arm. (sighs) I, I don't think that happens for me 15 times a year, so I can understand why they say the average perfect day, whatever, however Americans define it, only happens 15 times a year. It's kind of sad, isn't it, Yaffe? That so many days fall short. Yeah. Now well, I'm depressed. Oh, don't be that way. Now, what do you, now <laughs> look kidding. at the text line. What, what's coming in there? The idea of a perfect day, our textures are, are, are weighing in. Uh, yeah, one person says this, says my perfect day would be with my family at the Magic Kingdom all by ourselves. Oh, oh, yeah. That is a good one. I, now, that's good. I like that. Lots of luck. Another one says uh, perfect day, waking up early and going fishing with my dad coming home to lunch with my wife, and spending the day with my foster kids. Ah, I had a guy who dropped off the line. Sometimes we get bad sell or people have to go away before I can take their call, and I, and I hate missing you, um, but said, you know, going fishing on a nice cold morning, you know, is how his perfect day would start. Yeah, it, that would not be my perfect you day. You told me off air, and I, I know shameless self-promotion are me, but somebody else texted and said a perfect day would be a Lincoln or something? Yeah, a new Lincoln. I don't know if it would be a free Lincoln or something, but it just says perfect day equals a new Lincoln. Okay. In my world, only from Central Florida, Lincoln. <laughs> yeah, right. I'm sure that's what the text Yeah, absolutely right. Yeah. Interesting, isn't it? Uh, once again, here is collectively 
what this survey of 2,000 adult Americans showed uh, when you kind of put it all together and average it out, okay? The average person would be happiest waking up at 8.15 in the morning. A perfect day would entail a sunny spring-like forecast with temperatures reaching 74 degrees and respondents being able to enjoy three hours outside. They see themselves spending four hours with their family, three hours with friends, then coming home and hopping on the couch where they'd use another three hours watching television. And the perfect day for the average American ends with hopping into bed at 10.50 p.m. And Alan Spector would say that that would be perfect if Halle Berry was there. Yes, yeah, right. <laughs> and they were watching a Yankee game or something. <laughs> anyway, interesting. I, I was just surprised that they even did a survey on such a thing, but in fact, they did. Hey, looking ahead here, bottom of the hour news update with Alan coming up. He'll be focusing on that stand your ground controversy out in Clearwater, that event now called a murder, and Roseanne visits Sean Hannity. We're going to play the sound judgment game for a great prize in the next half hour. We have advanced screening tickets to this Disney live action movie based on the Winnie the Pooh storylines with all the characters. Christopher Robin, supposed to be fantastic. I know your kids and grandkids would love to go with you. And if you haven't won sound judgment in the last month, you're eligible to play. If you want to get in super early ahead of everybody else before the lines get jammed, we're playing Sound Judgment in about 10 minutes, 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400. News coming right up. Good morning from us all. Friday morning on the 50,000-watt front porch from the Frontgate Realty Studio. From your cell, pound 250, keyword real estate, 830 now. All week long, I've been telling you that stand-your-ground situation and controversy out of Clearwater is not going away anytime soon, and we have further evidence of that as Alan kicks off the bottom-of-the-hour news update. Bud, that stand-your-ground shooting is a case of cold-blooded murder. That's what lawyer Benjamin Crump said yesterday about a deadly shooting last week in Clearwater. Marquise McLaughlin, who was black, was shot to death after shoving a man to the ground during an argument over a parking spot but no charges were filed against the shooter, who is white, because of the stand-your-ground law. Crump says the tragic stand-your-ground drill is all too familiar. Where the individual is the initial aggressor, starts the confrontation, and then kills the unarmed black person and claims it's self-defense. Crump represents McLaughlin's girlfriend, and he says race played a role in the decision not to file charges. The news is brought to you by Trusco Bank, Florida's hometown bank. One in three migrant children are still separated from their parents with no clear sign when they'll be reunited. The Trump administration's been scrambling to reunite all eligible families it separated at the U.S.-Mexico border by last night's court-ordered deadline. But a court filing says more than 700 children in government custody are unable to be reunited with their parents anytime soon. A Tallahassee judge is promising a fast ruling in a lawsuit over the Greyhound Racing Amendment on the November ballot. Proposition 13 would ban commercial dog racing in the Sunshine State, but attorney Major Harding with the Florida Greyhound Association says the amendment's title and summary mislead voters about the true impact. The ballot title is ends dog racing. This amendment does not end dogs racing. 
The Greyhound Association wants Amendment 13 removed from the ballot, but lawyers for a group called the Committee to Protect Dogs says there's nothing deceptive about it, and its fate should be decided by the voters, not the courts. Former State Senator Jack Latvala, who resigned in disgrace after being accused of sexual harassment, will not be facing criminal charges. The Florida Department of Law Enforcement and Tallahassee State Attorney Jack Campbell have concluded there's not enough evidence that Latvala traded his vote for sex with a lobbyist. Three months after ABC canceled her show Roseanne for a tweet deemed racist, Roseanne Barr made her first national appearance on Hannity last night. Barr said she believes she's done everything she can to make up for it. Well, I've apologized a lot. It's been two months, and I've, I feel that I have apologized and um, explained and uh, asked for forgiveness and made recompense. ABC will premiere a spinoff of Roseanne called The Connors on October 16th. By the way, that's my birthday. The show will feature all the cast members except for Roseanne. There's a reminder to the staff, yeah. you know. They, I hope everyone's making a note right now. <laughs> you want an upgrade on the presents from last year? Is that what we're talking about here? I think you always, you know, try to build on the year before. <laughs> Elsewhere, bud. Yes, sir. Now, you whiffed on the Beatles last hour. I did, but you gave me a song before they were big stars. Who knew that? Made me look bad. All I'm hearing is a lot of whining. <laughs> I do. I'm going to give you another shot, though. All right. See if you can name this musical artist. Yes. Strike two. I've whiffed again. All right. That is Alice Cooper. No kidding. Yeah. Of schools out fame. Why are you asking me this? Well, the Arizona Lottery is announcing a new scratch-off ticket featuring Alice Cooper, a longtime Arizona resident. The ticket featuring the shock rocker will debut on August 7th and will run through Halloween or while supplies last. The top prize on the Alice Cooper ticket is $50,000. Meanwhile, Alice is set to release a double live album, A Paranormal Evening at the Olympia Paris, on August 31st. I never play the lottery, you know, because I, I consider myself inherently unlucky when it comes to that stuff. I have no faith in my ability to win. But is that the first time a noted entertainment figure has fronted a lottery game? It's the first I've heard about yeah, it. It doesn't me mean it's never happened. Okay. And uh, in other lottery news, a Delaware man is getting quite the return on $600 worth of lottery tickets. Andrew Dara said he bought an entire book of scratch-off tickets for $600 and end up, ended up winning a $10,000 jackpot. Wow. Dara purchased the tickets at the old shopping Shop store in Dewey Beach. You know it well. His 11th ticket wound up being the winner. He scratched the doubler, which revealed a $5,000 prize, so he got ten grand. He says he's going to use the money to pay off his work van. Do you all pay the, do you play the lottery? You once, guys play the lottery? Once in a great while, just kind of for fun. Do you have to have a jackpot through the roof? Like kind of, yeah. I don't, and I don't know why. It's kind of like every man <laughs> has his price, that sort of thing, right? Not, I usually don't play. I don't, I don't know why. How about you, Steph? Just, you play the lottery? Just don't. No, but I should. You should? <laughs> I should. I was I, so mad when I saw that guy won. I'm like, seriously? <laughs> seriously? Now I hate him. Okay. <laughs> well, on that happy note. It is a... It is an interesting strategy to buy the whole book. I don't think I've ever heard of that. Buy a whole book of scratch-offs. Yeah, I've heard of people buying lots and lots of tickets to try mm. to try to win. Yeah, but yeah. 
doesn't necessarily increase your chances. $600 is a lot of money to spend. You better hope you win. (laughs) It's funny because I think I've had a lot of good luck and fortune in my life, but I have no faith in my ability to ever win anything like that. So I never buy a ticket. Doesn't matter. You can't get me in. There is no price. If it's a $5 billion payoff, I'm not buying it because I know I'm not going to win it. Okay, well, if you're not going to buy a lottery ticket, how would you like to get high off of a toad? All right, before you go, tell me about that. Toads are being stolen from a conservation area in Arizona, and wildlife officials suspect the thieves are planning to use them to get high. The Spur Cross Conservation Area posted footage of the thieves stealing the toads late at night. A wildlife biologist says the thieves are likely planning to lick the toads. What? For their next high, the toads apparently contain a hallucinogen similar to a psychedelic drug called DMT. Can't imagine how whacked out I'd have to be to lick a toad. Think about how many lottery tickets you'd buy after that. (laughs) I don't know, man. I'd have to be out of my mind by the time it was time for the first lick. Dude, let me put my toad down and then I'll get my money out for these tickets. Man, oh, man. Lick that toad. Nice. Nice. <laughs> nice. Thanks for sending us out on a high note here. That's what I'm here for. <laughs> Thanks, Alan. Alan Spector with the news is only he can bring it on Fridays. The Deb Meister back with us on Monday. We plow on toward the 9 o'clock hour. We've moved our daily sound judgment game into the final half hour. So we kind of go out with fun and games and somebody gets to win a terrific prize. This brand new live action Disney movie is getting a lot of positive press. And it's coming out, and you can see it. It's the Christopher Robin movie with all the Winnie the Pooh characters in Disney live action. And they really have that down. They do a great job with it. Everybody's talking about this movie. You, your kids, your grandkids, you're going to love it. And you get to see it in an advanced seating situation. Advanced seating tickets to the new Disney live action Christopher Robin movie coming right up. That's what we're giving away. And it's been a hot prize the last couple of days here. Get in early, 407-916-5400. Company rules, you're eligible to play and win sound judgment if you haven't won it in 30 days, okay? So I'll tell you what, somebody's going to love to go to this advanced screening of this movie with you. Your kids, your grandkids, 407-916-5400, 407-916-5400. Call in now. Sound judgment coming right up after we update Orlando's news, weather, and traffic in two minutes on News Radio 1025 WFLA. All right, we've got a full bank of callers on sound judgment, and we're playing for a great prize, and let's talk about it, shall we, Steph? That's right. So were you a fan of Winnie the Pooh when you were younger? If so, we have an awesome four-pack of tickets to the advanced screening of Disney's Christopher Robin on Tuesday, July 31st at the AMC in Altamont. In the heartwarming live-action adventure, Disney's Christopher Robin, the young boy who embarked on countless adventures in the 100-acre woods with his band of spirited and lovable animals, has grown up and lost his way. Now it is up to his childhood friends to venture out into the world and help Christopher Robin remember the loving and playful boy who still is inside. Very cool, and you get to go before anybody else gets to see the new Disney live-action flick, Christopher Robin, with all the Winnie the Pooh characters. You, your kids, your grandkids are going to love it, and we're excited about sending you there if you're our sound judgment winner. If you're trying to get in, wait for a wrong answer. We'll open up a line. you got to grab it quickly at 407-916-5400. For today's sound judgment game, we remember what is often called the Forgotten War, the Korean War, which claimed tens of thousands of American lives. The armistice that brought an end to the fighting was signed on this very date, July 27th. 
I want you to listen to the sound of then-American General Mark Clark as he signed the historic armistice. Then use your sound judgment to tell me how many years ago today we would have heard this. We have stopped the shooting. That means much to the fighting men and their families. And it will allow some of the grievous wounds of Korea to heal. Therefore, I am thankful. The task now is to put the ceasefire agreement into full effect and get down to working out an enduring settlement of the Korean problem. Which all these years later, we're still trying to get done. How many years ago today would we have heard what I just shared with you? Let's try line one, see if we can find a winner. Go ahead, line one. Let's try 70. No, but you're not far off, and thanks for trying. Get the open line, 407-916-5400. You can still win. Line two, how many years ago? 65. Game over. Absolutely right. July 27th, 1953. You're a student of history, my friend. Congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, what's your first name, please? Matt. Matt calling in from where? Uh, Deltona. All right, good deal, Matt. I hope you're going to enjoy this movie. Have you figured out exactly who needs to be going with you? Uh, I'll take my lovely wife. Well, that'll be good, and uh, I'm going to put you on with Steph to make the arrangements so we get that to you very, very quickly. And, Matt, congratulations. Thanks for listening to Good Morning Orlando, and thanks for playing our game, and congratulations on winning Sound Judgment. Thank you. Okay, Matt, don't go away. You're on hold. By the way, of course, the big news now is that the North Koreans are giving back the remains of 55 Americans who were um, missing in action, who were killed in, in, the, in the Korean War. And that's part of the promise that Kim Jong-un made to President Trump during their Singapore summit. Um, to put it in perspective, though, it's a start. There are still like 5,300 Americans um, who are unaccounted for in the wake of that war where the fighting ended with the armistice 65 years ago today. Have you heard about the stunning new poll results in on the Florida governor's race? I think we now know who the two primary winners are going to be and who will face off to succeed Rick Scott in the fall. 407-916-5400. We'll get to that. Big story broke just as we came on the air this morning. If you weren't with us then, you need to know this now. A new Mason-Dixon poll, and that's pretty reliable. That's a big-time credible polling firm, has another victory in the latest poll in the Republican primary for governor for Ron DeSantis over the GOP establishment conservative candidate Adam Putnam. This is the fourth poll win in a row for DeSantis, and he was way behind until Trump formally endorsed him in the Mason-Dixon poll of likely Republican primary voters just in this morning, DeSantis 41, Putnam 29 percent, down by 12. On the Democrat side, it looks pretty solid for the daughter of the former governor and senator from Florida, Bob Graham, Gwen Graham, in the Mason-Dixon poll, is up by nine points over her closest challenger, Gwen Graham, 27, former Miami Beach Mayor Philip 
Levine, 18%. The primary is the 28th of August, one month from tomorrow. And unless something really cataclysmic happens here, you're going to see a fall race between Graham and DeSantis. And the polling on a hypothetical race between the two by RealClearPolitics.com shows it very, very close. Um, Putnam's in some real trouble here, no question. And I think it may even get worse for him when Trump comes to town and campaigns in Tampa for DeSantis next week. I mean, uh, Putnam, he has the, it, it's de, DeSantis is endorsed by Trump. And Putnam always touts Trump, but he wasn't with him in 2016. I don't know if he'll be with him there on on on, on next Tuesday, the, 20, uh, the 31st. So at any rate, that's the latest we have. Oh, by the way, the new Mission Impossible movie is out. And, of course, we have the Christopher Robin movie. We've been giving away free tickets. That's coming up next week. It's Free Movie Friday here. And how would you like to win free movie tickets to the show of your choice through Adam Tickets? You can do it. And here's how you get in the running to win free movie tickets. Text them now. Text RECORD, R-E-C-O-R-D, to A-T-O-M-1. That's 28661 for your chance to win. The Adam's Ticket app where you can browse movie titles, buy tickets, and more. Happy Free Movie Friday from all of us here in Good Morning Orlando on the 50,000-watt front porch. Looking forward to a great weekend. Going to have our little four-year-old granddaughter over all day tomorrow. Ashlyn is always fun. Runs Gammy and Paca ragged, but that's what it's all about, isn't it? And whatever you enjoy, I hope you make a great weekend out of it. We'll see you Monday. Thanks, God bless you, and God bless America.